Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good morning, Razorback Nation, and welcome to another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 84. Today, Kyle and Porter will be discussing the last dance, the story of the 98 Bulls on ESPN. Well, it's going to include a heavy dose of Michael Jordan, I just want to mention, and all his greatness. He never beat the Arkansas Razorbacks. Colin Porter will also be talking about Moses Moody being the newest addition to the Razorback basketball team and Landon Rogers being the newest quarterback commitment for the Razorback football team. They'll also be talking about a little bit of hog women's round ball with Alexis Tolfrey being undrafted and what she's going to do now. And Destiny Slocum, the number one graduate transfer in the NCAA for women's basketball for Morgan State. They'll also be talking about Mike Neighbors, our favorite coach on the Hill, too. So tune in, turn it up, subscribe, and share all over social media and help us get our message out there. Woo pig and enjoy the show. Razorback fans, welcome into another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland. To my immediate or imaginary immediate right, Porter Hayes. We're with you here tonight on this, I guess, mostly rainy Sunday for the majority of us around Arkansas. And hope you guys are having a safe one and continuing to have a very safe quarantine. And the, the hot topic right now from the time that we're recording is The Last Dance, which of course will be premiering here in the next hour or so. And for the next five weeks, they'll be having two hour-long episodes from at eight o'clock and nine o'clock that will be chronicling the '98 Bull, '97, '98 Chicago Bulls final championship run with, of course, Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, all those guys. And Porter, it seems that uh, for the most part, <laughs> Tiger King will be taking a back seat. I know that just about everybody's watched all eight of those episodes, but I know that you're probably just as excited as I am for this to start popping off. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. I was a Bulls fan back in high school. Of course, you know, you're in the nineties growing up, you know, I was born in 82. So, I mean, I grew up with, with Jordan and his greatness. And I think my, the, what I'm excited for now is because, you know, when we talk about the greats of say Arkansas, we're always, we go to what we can remember in our, our span of, you know, of fandom in our, our lifetime. So, this is going to shed a lot of light on those kids now who grew up with Kobe and LeBron and now Kawhi Leonard and, and, and Kevin Durant. They're going to see what a killer, true killer mentality was and how, you know, and, and he was on record saying he thinks that everybody's going to think he was an asshole. You know, he's, he's going to be portrayed as a bad guy, but I mean, he wanted to win at all costs and he would break his teammates because he said that, when it come to crunch time, he wanted them people that wouldn't break. He wanted them people he could count on to get him those rings. And and it, they're going to see just how great of a athlete he was. I'm I'm very stoked about it. I can't wait. I've got it on record. And, you know, as soon as we get done recording here, I'm jumping right to the TV. Yeah, I'm going to catch it on Netflix because uh, I don't have cable. as, And I probably won't for a while, at least until sports come back. But still have that. So I'll just wait till it drops tomorrow. But see, I, and I was going to point out too, I know you, that uh, you probably remember all of the Jordan years, especially at least for the championships. I was like one to three years old when they had their first run. Now I do remember the second run from 96 to 98. 
And I want to point out uh, whenever our guy, Tyler Butler, if y'all uh, get a chance uh, enough with the BS podcast with uh, Porter's colleague from sport and culture, Tyler Butler, a lot of good content on there from yesterday. I had pointed out that there was a podcast that is called, it's basically like a conspiracy one. It's called stuff. They don't want you to know. And there is a really good story that talks about, of course, Michael Jordan's gambling when he had stepped away from the game, when David, basically the conspiracy is, is that David Stern told him, look, your gambling is just completely out of control. You need to step aside for a little bit and whatever, go play another sport, just lay low. We need to get this under control. So we all know he went and played minor league baseball, which ironically, the same owner of the Bulls is also the owner of the uh, the White Sox as well, Jerry Reinsdorf. So that kind of has a connection too. But I would highly recommend listening to that. Again, it's it's I can't remember the exact episode, but if you Google stuff they don't want you to know and just put Michael Jordan in there, it's about an hour, hour and a half long episode. A lot of good stuff in there. But I'm stoked for that too. I think that we all are. Definitely, I, I think that one of the, the two things that I'm really looking for is the beef between Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause. We know that that came to major blows. And also, if they're actually going, there was a big rumor that Michael Jordan, which I guess was never officially confirmed from what I saw, but apparently Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face, which he probably punched a lot of teammates in the face in practice. But I can't stand Steve Kerr. And so I think that that is actually uh, really awesome that, uh, that that did happen, if true, just personally. But um, I, I think either way, we're in for 10 hours of incredible content, and we'll be watching this over and over once it's, once it's all finally said and done. Oh, definitely. And, and people seem to forget, like you're bringing up the last bit of it. I mean, his, his dad passed away, and he was, you know, murdered. So there, there was a lot of stuff circulating around that as well. If, if anything that, you know, with the gambling and, and all that stuff had to do with it. I mean, that's why, you know, you see videos of him being so emotional after that win, you know, and there's a lot of things that tied into that. You know, his dad passed away, he won the championship, then he took a break. And, you know, that's when, of course, then Space Jam come back out and everybody was hyped about Space Jam because at the end, you kind of got some kind of teaser that he might be coming back and everybody wanted him to come back. It's almost like now with, with how we want sports to come back. It was like that when Jordan left, you know, and for him to come back and then win three more championships. I mean, it, it to me, it's like that's why I think he's the GOAT, because when he was in his prime, nobody was getting rings. Nobody was beating him in the finals. He never went to a game seven. And the only team to win a championship other than the Bulls was the Rockets when they went back to back in 94 and 95, hence when Jordan was away. So, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of darkness that surrounded his departure. So, I mean, to, to say if it was a conspiracy theory, I mean, for us who followed that, I mean, it, it – could be true because I mean, a lot of things, it's almost like he was an untouchable. I mean, there's a book out called the Jordan rules, you know? So, I mean, he is the greatest of all time in my era, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he did have a gamble. He would, he was a competitor. I mean, he would bet on anything, anything possible. He'd always turn it into a competition. So yeah, it's, it, it could definitely be a possibility. Yeah, I don't think there's any question he's the GOAT. I completely agree. I just don't – as as crazy athletic as LeBron is, I just don't think that he's anywhere close. I, and I say – I mean that when I say I don't think he's anywhere close to just the competitive killer instinct that Jordan did have. And that's one thing I wanted to bring up next is before we move on to our next topic. 
I'm worried that with the world that we live in today, that Twitter and just social media in general is going to be more concerned about the MJ and LeBron debate, that it's going to overshadow the greatness and the overall just amazing things that we're going to see with this content that's going to come out. That's the biggest oh, concern that I have, and I think it's oh, going it's to happen. Oh, it's already happening. It's already yeah. happening today. Ever since they went on that release, you know, and said they're going to release it early, you know, the you know, the LeBron fans are, are saying he's the GOAT. And they can – it goes back to what you grew up with. You notice the majority of the people who say LeBron is the GOAT, in their opinion, is majority of the kids that never really got to see him play. So, yeah, you, I mean, that's the deal. You're, you're going to see fans come out of the woodwork, whichever side they're on, and it's going to be a war. I mean, it really is. It's going to be a war when it comes to MJ fans and LeBron fans. I mean, you're, it's going to be ugly for the next, I mean, however long this, you know, you got two episodes tonight, you know, 10 episodes. So until it's done and then on fourth until they start sports, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy on Twitter and social media. Staying on the basketball subject, we'll go to, to Arkansas basketball recruiting where we finally had Moses Moody sign on Friday. So the excruciating wait was over. I know I, I said in our group text, I, I went on record, I mean, not publicly, that I told you and Jacob and Ty that I was pretty worried about this. And, of course, you you all settled me down a little bit and, and made me believe, and, and I definitely believed after that, uh, that after the things that you guys had mentioned, that he was going to come on board. The only one left uh, to sign is K.K. Robinson, of course, which as this podcast will drop tomorrow, he will either have his paperwork in or it will be on the way. So what can you say about Musselman being able to keep this class together and, of course, bringing in Moody when there was possible talk of him maybe going overseas – well, not going overseas, with possibly going to the G League, that deal that, they're, that they have going on with the teams that will be playing the G League, that Jalen uh, Green and some of the other top prospects are going to go that route. For him to keep on top of his guys with everything that's going on with this COVID and not being able to you know, have those face-to-face meetings and – everything that goes into it and it's basically all virtual text or however you can zoom how you know skype how we're doing this you know for him to be able to score that i mean i mean yeah it shows that he's a great coach he's a great recruiter but then again it also could say how much they really want to come to arkansas because of this new development that you know we talked about last time with with the top recruit in the nation going to the G league, that, you know, fundamental program or whatever. I mean, they could have easily took that cash and, and went on. But I mean, um, I think it was Jalen Rose or one of them on ESPN made a good point. I mean, these kids might be making 500,000, but then you got to pay your agent. Then you got to pay, you know, whoever to be around you, you know, you got to pay for insurance. So, when you're really getting 500,000, all it breaks down to is maybe you'd be getting 100 to 200. So, but that's to the top 1% that goes into this G League. So, if a guy's getting offered 125,000, then you got to give it to an agent, then you got to pay the same things, and you might be making 40 to 50,000 a year. So, when all the details come out, it's not really as luxurious as it is. And we got to realize, too. If they open up this G League, it's going to be like minor league baseball. You're not going to be getting treated the same as you would if you come to a four-year program in the SEC or a top Division One program like a Kentucky or a Duke or North Carolina where 
you're the man. You're getting fed three great meals a day. You've got the personal trainers. You've got everything you could want at your will. And I think that's why Dave Van Horn is such a good recruiter when it comes to baseball is because they know they're better off coming to an SEC baseball program and going all three years and then going maybe a year in the minors and going up into the major leagues opposed to opting out at a high school or a, a freshman in college and then spending two, three years on that minor league grind. That's what, to me, this G League would be because it's not highly, highly popular on you know, on TV and the Twitter. Nope, they're not having the following that you would if you're at Arkansas, especially in the state. I mean, there's a big fandom in the state of Arkansas, and I think they really want to bring a championship to Arkansas, and I think they want to experience what what playing at Arkansas is all about. So now that they have this class, and Isaiah Joe still has yet to make his decision on the NBA and we really don't know what's going to happen with Mason Jones. Of course, he's testing the waters right now, but we really don't know if he actually is leaving. But what does – the more and more I really think about this, I had initially said that Isaiah and Mason are both going to stay. But really, what does Mason have left to prove? Now, there's plenty that say that he's making a big mistake leaving because of the fact that the mock drafts don't have him very high or some don't even have him getting drafted at all. But – you think about with the guys that are coming in, he's going to have more help next year. And assuming that Isaiah Joe stays healthy for a season, he won't be missing for the five or six games that he was out. And so, so basically, you know, if, if Jones comes back next year, I mean, what he has to lose is his stock might fall because he is going to be sharing the ball with a lot of good scores. I mean, he had to carry the load a majority of the year and that's what got him the, you know, co-SEC player of the year because Isaiah Joe was out for most of the second half of the season. So is he going to average those 20-something points a game and and get that notoriety of being the guy on the team for Arkansas? I mean, Arkansas wasn't even going to make the NCAA tournament, and he got voted co-player of the year. He should have got player of the year, you know, all around, but he still got voted as co-player of the year. So, I mean, honestly, I mean – it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, but you still have a lot to lose if you wait around. I mean, I mean, look at what happened to Joe this year. You know, he got injured. I mean, there's always that question, injury. Yes, you can go to the NBA and get injured. But to me, I just think his stock wouldn't be as high next year if he comes back because there's going to be more people to, to share the ball with. Go back to Darren McFadden's Heisman run. He got knocked a lot because he had to share the ball with Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis. If he was the lone carrier, the lone guy on that Arkansas team, there would have been no doubt in my mind he would have won that Heisman. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Is there was a big debate yesterday on Twitter about I can't remember what page that posted it that was that did like a round of 64 for the top Heisman snubs of all time, and I think it actually was 50-50 with Adrian Peterson and Darren McFadden. And as much as I agree that Dar- that Adrian Peterson probably should have won the Heisman in 2004, he had almost 2,000. He was just shy of 2,000 yards rushing. But what Darren was able to do, not just in in the backfield, but he threw for touchdown passes. He caught touchdown passes. He could return punts and kicks if he if he wanted to. He really they didn't need him for that. I think he actually returned kicks some, if I remember correctly. But and especially 2006. You got to people have to remember Mitch Mustaine went eight and zero 
but Mitch Mustaine was not good. <laughs> I mean, he was not he wasn't a bad quarterback, but but his freshman year, he was not that good of a quarterback. He basically relied off of some good plays in in the receiving game from Marcus Monk, which Marcus Monk had a really good 2006 and some of that was to do with when Casey Dick came in. But in 2006 they benefited from the backfield. So of course he also was helped out by Peyton Hills. He also was helped out by Felix Jones. But yeah, I'm with you. I think that uh there's no question that uh, that especially 2006, I think you could argue 2007 more that maybe Tebow would have been a better. I, I still think, just from my bias, that DMAC was better in 07. But you know, what what can you say about that? But no, I, I'm with you about Jones too. And I, as as I mentioned, I for so long was saying that he needs to come back. I think that he and Joe before Mason had announced that he was going to test the waters, I had said that I think for sure that both of them are going to come back. And I still think that Isaiah, I, I stand by that. I don't think that there's any chance that he leaves. I, I 100% believe that he's going to come back. But I'm just kind of like, I just don't know what Mason has left to prove at this point, just because of how dominant. And I know that he didn't win, that, or the Razorbacks didn't win all those games that he was scoring 30 and 40 points. But, man, I mean, just to think about what he was able to do and still teams were keying on him. And there were some games where, they were keying on him and it wasn't so great for him, but um, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, I think that really what it boils down to is I'm kind of with you. I think that his draft could, his stock could go down. It, we, we saw that kind of happen with Bobby Portis. Wasn't Portis a, after his freshman year, I think that he was projected as like a top 20 pick maybe, or, or no, maybe actually, I think it was, he was a t- projected as either a lottery or a top 20 pick the year that he went pro, but he ended up dropping to like, was it 23 or 24? Yeah, by the uh, he got drafted by the Bulls, but yeah, that the year right. before, if I'm not mistaken, he was going to be a lottery pick. I mean, and that's like with Gafford. The Gafford was yeah. the same way, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you it, to me, it's like Jones has stated, you know, Jones has stated on on another pod that he is is ready to make make the money. You know, he wants to provide for his family, and he, you know, he spent. You know, the, that year at Connor State, and then he come to Arkansas for the two years. And I think on his side of it, Jones' side, I think in his best interest, it's to, to go get the money while you think it's it's hot because it might not be there next year. And with Isaiah Joe, I think he needs to come back for something I stated beforehand because, you know, you get to come back to a school like Arkansas that has a top-notch physical rehab program you get all the athletic trainer to make sure that knee is good you've got a year to sit there and go through all that because you don't know what kind of training and and physical training and therapy and all that stuff they have in the g league or overseas you don't if if any at all so i think it's in joe's best interest just to come back for that health benefit because and it will give this young team you know somebody experience and solid to really help be that leader of the team next year because if both go you know who's going to be that that leader next year uh you have a lot of people coming back who practiced with the team last year but i think joe needs to come back make sure that knees so that you know if he goes you know scouts are going to be wondering what's up with the knee what's up with the knee can they do physicals right now no they can't they can't do any kind of workout right now so that really hurts joe on that aspect and that's going to give him a chance to go you know, to Arkansas next year, prove that he's fully healthy. And I think that in his side, it'll cause his draft stock to rise. 
We'll move on now to football, and the Razorbacks got a very big, at least in terms of literal, uh, quarterback in Landon Rogers out of Little Rock Parkview, 6'4", 215 pounds. I think he's actually about the 6'5 range. We'll give him an inch. But that was one where Kendall Bryles and Sam Pittman offered him one one morning, and then by lunchtime he was a Razorback. Do you know much about him? Have you seen any film over him yet? No, I haven't watched much on him. But, I mean, he's an in-state kid, highly, highly recruited kid in-state. And so for him to jump on board that quick, I mean, means he really wants to come to Arkansas. And it just shows that through all these hard times, Kendall Bryles and Sam Pittman and all these guys could still recruit at a high level, which is is very impressive to me. Well, I was able to watch that actually – uh, Grant Long, who's a good friend of the of the podcast, uh, he does NMD TV, No More Defeats TV on YouTube. He d- he does a lot of film breakdown of recruits and big time college football players. He did a breakdown of some of his film from Huddle the other day, and I was able to catch that. And the guy's got a really good arm. Now he's he's got a lot of he, he's got a lot of strength and size. I mean he's he runs like a four or five. But he's still got to work on his mechanics, which, I mean, that, that happens with a lot of young quarterbacks. But I thought the best point that I heard, and the first thing that I thought of is when I was watching him, is if he doesn't make it as a quarterback in college, he's going to make it somewhere, whether that's tight end or somewhere else on the field, kind of like what A.J. Derby was able to do. And I caught the segment with Clint Sterner on the zone with Justin Acri on Friday, and basically that was the exact thing that he said. He was like, basically what it has to happen is, is he just has to get it right between the ears, keep keep his nose clean, do what he has to do, keep, do his business on the football field, and if he doesn't turn out to be a, a quarterback, he's going to find success somewhere just because of of that type of body. At 6'4", almost 220 pounds with that kind of speed, there will be a place for him. And I'm sure that that's probably in the back of Kendall Bryles and, and Sam Pittman's mind. Because these guys have been offering a good bit of quarterbacks. So they've already offered another 2021 quarterback. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, he's out of San Antonio. And I, I actually happened to see it because he's out of Cornerstone Christian, which Cornerstone Christian actually is right next to the apartment complexes that I lived at in San Antonio. For those around the central Arkansas area, it's extremely similar to Episcopal Collegiate with their facilities. They're just absolutely phenomenal. And they've got a pretty good squad there. I want to say that Cornerstone's like 3 or 4A in Texas, but they've got quite a few solid prospects that are coming out for 2021. But I think that's probably something that they that they thought about because that what does Sam Pittman do? He recruits football players. He doesn't necessarily recruit guys for certain positions. And you could say that about a lot of coaches, but I think that that is especially true about Sam Pittman. And again, if Landon Rogers does not find his way taking snaps under center or taking snaps in the shotgun, seeing as it is Kendall Browse's offense, I think that he could find somewhere for they could find somewhere for him. Again, whether that be tight end or maybe somewhere on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, definitely. And this, you know, he went to Parkview and he finished four and six last year. So you know, this ain't a if this ain't like a program like a Brian or a Plasky Academy or a Fayetteville, you know, them top pro Greenwood, the top mm-hmm. programs in the state of Arkansas. I mean, he was going up against Little Rock Christian Pulaski Academy, you know, so if he did, you know, he caught the eye, you know, of the coaches on being on a subpar team. I mean, that that shows me that there's really something there. He's not in one of them systems where he's made to shine and he just goes out and balls out. You know, he's coming in there and he's on a team that went forward six and he still is catching the eye of, 
you know, Arkansas Razorbacks. That that shows a lot to me on what this kid can really do. Well, and also Brad Bolding is his coach. And of course, many remember Brad Bolding. He was orig- he was at Mayflower years ago and then spent some time in North Little Rock. He's a very polarizing figure in, in the coaching ranks in Arkansas, but I, I don't care what you say about the guy. The guy's a dang good football coach. There's no question about that. He develops players of all kinds of different positions, and uh, he's done. He's doing a ph- phenomenal job at Parkview. I think that's kind of what, what Utah and, and Jacob and I were talking about yesterday was Central Arkansas for so long was down. I mean, cent- Central, Little Rock Central, I'm talking about one, was it th- two or three st- state championships? And then in, in the mid-2000s, and then after that, it's been Bentonville and Springdale Harbor and Fayetteville. Northwest Arkansas has just taken over. And in the last few years, you've had, of course, Bryant won back-to-back. North Little Rock won the year before. But I don't think it's just those two. I think I think that Parkview is really making a, a, a lot of noise. I really don't know how Central is going to be. I know that they hired a new coach within the last couple of years. But I think that Central Arkansas football, like we talked about yesterday, is definitely on the rise, much more so than, than what we're used to seeing. But um, before we go into our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, some some uh, ladyback basketball. Of course, Mike Neighbors is up for a contract uh, extension that is in the works right now with uh, Hunter Urochek. But before we get there, we're going to let you know that the Hog Talk is brought to you by Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. Since 1984, Max's has been your one-stop shop for all your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by and give them a call today. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. That's 870-942-4612. And Porter, um, the other night, the WNBA draft happened, and uh, Lexus Tollfree was expected in many mock drafts to, to be taken, but unfortunately she was not in any of the 36 picks. And I know that you with how much you have covered the the ladybacks over the last couple of years you've seen and we a lot of us have heard Lexa's story of some of the things that she's had to overcome mainly her size or lack thereof and uh her whole life she's been told all the way back to junior high school that she is not tall enough for high school ball to play at conway and in, in 7a she was told she wasn't big enough to play in the sec what does she do she gets all sec honors to me I think this is just another notch in the belt of her proving people wrong and she'll make it on. She'll make an NBA team. She'll sign with one. And I think that she's going to, going to continue doing what she's always done. Oh, definitely. I mean, for her, you know, cause a lot of the focus coming into this season was Chelsea Dungey and what she did last year, the year before. And, you know, she become the leader of the team and she grew as a person and a baller. I mean, she was first team all SEC. I mean, bro- broke numerous three point records, percentage, at Arkansas along with Amber Ramirez. And I think what really impressed me the most about her is no matter what attention was given her, she was always wanting to give it to somebody else. You know, like she was told she was too small to play at Conway. They wanted her to go to Valonia or Mayflower. She started there, went to Jones Community College, and then come to Arkansas. So, I mean, watching her growth from someone who, you know, really wasn't on that spotlight to being that leader of the team, I'm very proud of what she has done. And, you know, I, I know she's going to land on a team because they don't see the leader she is. They're just looking at tapes and, you know, seeing what she could score and her ability to pass, see that, that defender that nobody else does and those no look passes and she could just score on a dime. And so 
I know she's going to be get on the team. They're going to see she's going to be that diamond in the rough. She's going to be that undrafted story of someone a few years down the road is going to get on a team, find some way to get on a team, and she's going to explode. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you talk about, like you said, she came from from JUCO, and Mike Neighbors has done a phenomenal job, just like Eric Musselman is a big fan of the, of the transfer portal. You look at – where, where was it that Andrew, Amber Ramirez was before she came? I know she's from San Antonio, but what college was she at before Arkansas? I, man, I, I can't. I'm drawing a blank right now. I want to say it was a D1, but, of course, you know, Chelsea Dungy was at Oklahoma, and then, as I just mentioned, Toll Free was – at a, at a JUCO, but he might have just gotten as of yesterday. So as of Saturday, yesterday, as we're recording, he might have just gotten his best transfer definitely of this year. But since he's been at Arkansas and Destiny Slocum, this girl is the real deal. She was originally committed to him now in 2016. She was a five-star All-American. I think she was, from what I saw, she was like the number seven player overall that year, was committed to Mike at Washington then decommitted, goes to Maryland for a couple of years, then commits or commits, and then ends up going to Oregon State for two seasons. So she's definitely had her fair share of schools and has gone from coast to coast. But last year she shot 46% from the field, averaged 15 points per game. And as I mentioned, she was a five-star McDonald's All-American. Man, next year is uh, Mike Neighbors is really just what he's been. Of course, he's he is a uh, friend of the podcast as well. Uh, we've had him on a couple of times and uh, gotten to know him on a personal level. And with what he has done, from what this the the turmoil that this program was in, I mean, Susie Gardner, good lady, just really didn't get the program to where it needed to be. Really hasn't been that great since since Gary Blair. And then you had uh, who was it after that? Was it Tom Collin? That guy was yeah. just a joke. Um, Jimmy Dykes in my opinion, total fraud in more ways than one. If anybody has any questions about that, I'll talk about it off air. Um, but Mike Neighbors is the real deal. I really like him a lot. He's the real deal, just as I said about Destiny Slocum, said that in one, said that about two people in one segment. But to go from three conference wins his first year to the, the SEC championship last season, and who knows what they could have done this year. Uh, COVID-19 obviously got in the way of that. But, man, I think next season they're in for a lot. I know you're really excited as someone that has attended many of the games and that covers them. Yeah, I'm definitely excited because, I mean, they they have that chip on their shoulder because of, you know, the year before last they got snubbed in the NCAA. And Mike admitted that was the best thing that could ever happen to them because now they come back this past season on fire. You know, they had they struggled, you know, beating the top-tier teams like Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and, and South Carolina. And, they just run into a buzzsaw, you know, this past year SEC tournament in, in South Carolina. And man, I really wish I could have seen that Oregon South Carolina game because that would have been a, a blast. But yeah, that recruit coming in, you know, she's not coming from some scrub team. I mean, out in the Pac-12, I mean, you got Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State, you know, all these teams, and Oregon State's trying to get up there and compete with Oregon, but you know, to get somebody like that, former five-star All-American, to join your squad. Along with Alana Eaton, you know, you got Jalen Mason coming back. Of course, you got Chelsea Dungey and Amber Ramirez coming back. And, you know, she transferred from TCU. That was the school that we were, TCU. We were thinking about, That's TCU. Yeah. But, yeah, and, you know, Mike's such a great dude, and he has that passion. He's He reminds me of Coach Sam Pittman in a lot of ways of just how he really wants to be at Arkansas. You know, when, when he went to Washington, he stated, you know, the only place I would leave here for is Arkansas, and it come open. So, 
yeah, very excited, but I'm very proud, you know, because he deserves this. You know, he deserves this because, you know, he's getting the fans to believe in him. You know, when we first go to games, you know, there might be a thousand to two thousand show up for a big game, but now you're getting six, five or six thousand to show up at at any given night. It's very it that's what's telling of what you're doing with the program that doesn't always get that notoriety like the men's sports do. Yeah, ninety six percent is what their season tickets went up to. That's or yes. that's the increase. That's just insane. Yeah. I mean just doing great in so many different areas and, and that's like you said, not just the coaching and the recruiting but how he's bought in to, and, and he's an Arkansas boy. Now, Sam Pittman is not from Arkansas, but grew up in the state just right next to it in Oklahoma. But I think that that's, and, I, and I've really praised your check on how he was able to hire Eric Musselman with what Arkansas needed in a basketball coach, how he hired Sam Pittman with what they needed in a football coach. And I think that he's just done a phenomenal job as well as getting people that, like for instance, Lane Kiffin, I'll just, I'll throw him out there. That guy isn't passionate about Ole Miss. He's there for the, I mean, I'm sorry. I can't, I'm not trying to speak for the guy. Actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to speak for him. That'll do it for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. And as always, make sure you subscribe, share, give us a rating, give us some star power, whatever you want to do, just do it. And you can follow us on, on Facebook. Uh, it's Arkansas Hog Talk, and on Twitter, it's at the Hog Talk. We hope you enjoyed what you uh, had to hear today from Kyle and Porter. Always tune in every Monday morning and Friday morning, as we always have two episodes a week. This has been another episode of Hog Talk podcast. Have a good day. This episode is brought to you by Hindman Services. Is your to do or honey do list too long to tackle? Are your DIY skills likely to fail you? Do you wish you had a handy friend who would do exactly what they say without breaking the bank? Hyman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. Our customer reviews speak volumes. Check Hyman Services out on Facebook and call us for all your interior or exterior projects around your home or business. We do repairs installations, remodels, landscaping, decks, patios, fencing, and much more. Call Hyman Services today at 479-347-9336 and tackle your to-do list without getting your hands dirty. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.